0: Please. We've been preaching along the lines of the anointing. I've called it a series called The Anointed and the Anointing, or The Anointing and the Anointed. All all depends on what day of the week it is. And uh, 1 Kings, please. 1 Kings chapter 3. I want to talk to you about the anointing of Solomon. And uh, I'm been impacted by the word of the Lord today as I sought and prepared first Kings chapter three go down to verse four the anointing and the anointed first Kings chapter three verse four through fifteen you ready the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar at Gibeon. The Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Wow. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on the throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child. I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this people of yours? The Lord was pleased with that Solomon asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for both wealth and honor so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if, everybody say if. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and my commands as David your father did, I will give you long life. And then Solomon awoke and realized it had been a dream and he returned to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. Move in great power. May we never be the same. I am asking God tonight that you release your word in such a pinpointed, accurate, profoundly powerful way that it goes forth and doesn't return void. Holy Spirit, come. We've not come for a lecture or come to ease our conscience. No, we've come to worship you in spirit and in truth and to hear the word of the Lord. And I believe, God, you have released that to us even now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. Move the way you want to move. We won't stop you. We won't hinder you. Have your full sway in our hearts, in our lives, in our church, in this region. Lord, we declare you're crucified and resurrected. We declare the wisdom of God tonight over us and our calling and and purpose and vision corporately, individually. God, come and do it tonight for the glory of God in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. So we've been doing a series on the anointing. You say, well, what is that? The anointing, to just put it very simply and unreligiously, so that we can understand it. Because sometimes we say things with all kinds of religious jargon that has no meaning for most people. And so what is it, What is it? what is the anointing? It's the God enablement, the God power, power from God to do God's stuff. Amen. So God wants to put his power on you so you can live for him. God wants to put you His ability, his ability on you so you can bring forth the kingdom, so you can fulfill his will. I would venture to say, very difficult to fulfill the will of God outside of the anointing. The Apostle Paul, and I've preached on it before, the Apostle Paul saw the anointing As the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And and that's a whole other message. About praying in tongues and being anointed of the Spirit. But being filled with the Spirit. The power of the Spirit. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Who went about doing good and healing. All that were sick and oppressed of the devil. So God wants us to walk in an enablement. In fact... That enablement, that empowerment is mandatory in this hour. You know, you can't teach demons. You might have heard me say that a couple times. Demons need to be forcefully evicted. It is the power of God that breaks the yoke of demonic bondage. There's teaching, then there's anointed teaching. Let 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 me put it so some of the... Some of the women, and definitely I know some of the men will understand it. Men go shopping, but it's really more like hunting. Most men, there are some that are different. Mostly, they, when we go shopping, I like shopping, but that's like go to Cabela's, get this, get that, leave. You know, then go use it, enjoy it, wow, cool. But that's not what many women do. Men, women go shopping. Shopping is, is you know, cruising It's looking, you know, looking through racks and just enjoy trying things on and just, you know, just enjoying it. just the fellowship. It could be hours. I hate that. Stores have started to get a little bit intelligent. They started to put, you know, chairs and stuff around so guys can work their phones in in our movable office. The anointing. So shopping men shopping women The the anointing is is the way the Lord wants to do. It. He wants to expand his kingdom with the anointing. It's like shopping. Do, do you understand? It's not it's not just a little bit of church you go home. That that's kind of what, that's the way men go get stuff. I'm trying to tell you that God wants to put something on you that'll change your life in such a profound way. I uh I had something to happen today that um how many of you know you just got these things that happen sometimes and 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 the Lord just speaks through it. It was such an affront to me. I was so deeply offended. Uh, but the offense was motivated me. So as families left our church and And that happens all the time. You all belong to the Lord. So you you go where God leads you. We're not here to control anybody or manipulate anybody. You know, we believe that you're here because God brought you here. And if you want to stay, praise God. I'm I'm staying. God called me here. We're going to do it. Amen. We're going to do this. But, you know, God will move people around. And they're his sheep, right? His sheep know and hear his voice. Some people said that sheep are stupid. Sheep are not stupid. Listen, if you see sheep jumping over the fence and leaving a church in droves, there's something wrong. Hello. So this family is no longer coming. And uh, I was able to connect with them. I haven't seen them in quite a long time. And we've had people visit them and follow up. And, and you know, I'm, I, I can sense that I feel like they're going somewhere else, even though they've been here for some 10 plus years and generations really been here. And so now they're going somewhere else. And I'm, I'm glad they found a good home. There's a lot of great church homes. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. <laughs> But something as we went back and forth talking that just really got me and it was the Lord. They said, no, we, we just, it's, it's hard for us for this reason, that reason, there's some work things and different, um, different things happening in the family is better for them to go to another work. And, and they said, but still our number one desire is for our son to be healed. No, I, I know what they're talking about. Their son is desiring to be healed. I mean, he needs a miracle. So I'm thinking to myself, Lord, for all the time they have been here, we haven't seen that miracle happen. And I want to tell you something, it bugged me in the Lord. You know what I'm saying? You said, well, who are you? who are you? I'm just a man. I mean, we're just like male men, male people. Is that politically correct? Not that I care, but. You know, we're just here to deliver a message, you know. But there's levels of anointing. Listen, You all listening to me? Some of you you operate in the base gift level that you have, but God can bring you into an anointing. Or you operate in the gift that you have, but you don't operate in the level of anointing that can grow. It can increase. He said, well, I don't see too many people healed. Well, how about you fast and pray for 40 days and see what kind of miracle comes then? You see, there's a, there's a desire in a, inside the hearts of God's people, a remnant, a church really within a church, desiring to see God's power manifested because, man, God's power is bigger than methamphetamines. God, God's power is bigger, bigger than dope. He's, he's bigger than relationship addiction. God, but, but, but if we're not walking in it, that won't be put on display, and it'll be some theological argument that you have that makes you a religious person that has no power. I don't want to be that. So I'm just challenged. I'm just saying, well, I haven't seen the full miracle yet. But there's another, I'm going to go for another level of anointing. And I just thought to myself, well, I came here for 10 years. I think I'm going to get freshly anointed and go visit them and get a miracle for their son. You can go to another church if you want to, but let's get your boy healed. All right. So we've been talking about the anointing. and We've talked about Joseph. We talked about David. We talked about what the anointing is. I want to look tonight at this text. And we're going to go to 1 Kings 4, verse 29 now. Let's read this. 1 Kings 4. You all there? Verse 29. And then we're gonna get into it. Wow, this is like this has really touched my heart tonight. First Kings 4:29. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight. What kind of great? Very, very great. And a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand of the seashore. Whoa. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east that means all of them gathered together and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt he was wiser than anyone else including Ethan the Ezraite wiser than Haman and all these other names that I can't pronounce he was really wi- he was a really wise he was a wise guy verse 32 He spoke 3,000 Proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He also spoke about animals and birds, reptiles, and fish. From all nations, people came to listen. Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. We want, I want to preach to you a message entitled The Anointing of Solomon. And then as we bring application, I'm gonna ask for it. I'm gonna ask God to release that to you. Release it to me. I'm gonna ask him for the wisdom of Solomon to be released. How many of you need some wisdom tonight? Great. Let me ask you this question. If you were made extremely wealthy, would you be able to handle it? I mean, what would you do if you were made exceedingly wealthy? No, I don't mean like kind of wealthy. I mean like exceedingly wealthy. That's what Solomon was. You know, most people would destroy their lives. You know that most people, you say, well, I want to destroy my life. I, I was exceedingly wealthy. I would, well, well, let me ask you this question. You'll know what you'll be able to do by what you're doing with what you have right now. What are you doing with the, what's been entrusted to you now? God has no problem getting you more money. Can you be trusted with it? Don't tell me you're gonna tithe later when you can't tithe 10 cents on a dollar right now. You can be a tither later when you have millions. Every anointing is surrounded by dangers. What do you mean by that? They're, they're, the, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And when God brings his power, his anointing on you, there's, there's some risk involved and there's some dangers involved. There's, there's misuse of it and you can move out of your anointing. I didn't understand this so much when I was, a, when I was younger in the Lord, but as I'm beginning to grow up and praying that I do, I'm beginning to realize that I have a a specific anointing, a specific ability, an unction from the Lord. And I'm really aware of the places where I don't have an unction. I don't have a a God-given ability or an anointing in in other areas. And I have, see, the, the risk with that, how many of you know what I'm talking about? The risk of that is that you would then take that other area and say that, well, you're not anointed in that area, so then you wouldn't challenge yourself to grow to actually become anointed in that area. You just write it off. Like, for instance, I'll just use me for an example. So if the shoe fits for you, then wear it. For the longest time, I said, I'm not an administrator. I can't administrate. We're gonna get some other people to administrate because I'm not an administrator. Well, I've been sharply rebuked. And I've been rebuked by the Lord. I've been rebuked by my mama. I've been rebuked by my wife. Because out of the out of your mouth, you 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 prophesy your own, your own life. You wanna speak death over yourself of how stupid you are? Well, then welcome to the stupid club. I'm not a part of it. Come on, I've got the mind of Christ. And so I started saying things like, I can administrate. It's interesting, though that seemed to be the least of my abilities to organize and, and, and get things all together in administrative ways. My administrative gift has, I, I would think it's quadrupled. I think, I think it actually quadrupled. So it might have just like come up one RPM or something, but still quadrupling is better than nothing. See... How many of you? I, I made mention to William Branham. How many of you know who that is? Who that was? He was probably one of the most uh, demonstrative, major man of God on the planet. We horrible, horrible end, and got over into tremendous deception. But his ability to flow in miracles was second to none. I mean, it was like, I mean, it was it was amazing. And uh, you can go Google and look him up. And there's cults. Uh, I think. Uh, Even in this region where people are just, that's all they focus and all they read and that's totally weird. By the way, he wasn't a teacher. Wow, I just feel like I stepped on something right there. He wasn't a teacher, he was a miracle worker. When he got over into teaching, his anointing was not to teach. His anointing was in miracles. We have a, a, a friend whose father was with Branham in a D.C. I think it was a DC 3. This is like 19, I don't know, 50s, 60s, something like that. And they're flying on the way to some meetings somewhere in the southern part of. Now, this is a a true story, all right? This is not something you're going to read in a book. I I don't think I've ever seen it in a book. They're flying this DC 3, and the Holy Spirit speaks to William Brannan and says, Land the plane at the next airport, at the next available airport. So he tells, tells the pilot, We need to land the plane. Well, it was his plane. It was a ministry plane and all that, I guess. So we had authority to do that. They landed the plane down at some little airport. He got out and he just began to walk down the road. And uh, he kept walking down this dirt road until he came to a house. And on the house was sitting a severely handicapped boy. The house was in tatters, hole in the roof, you know. And uh, he went to the house and the mom came out who was a praying woman of God. And she had been fasting and praying for God to send somebody to bring healing to her little boy. He went up, he laid hands on the boy, the boy got miraculously healed. They all went rejoicing, he walked back the dirt road, got back on his DC-3 and flew to the next meeting. He would would sit in meetings, he would would sit in meetings and and, and call out people's names, addresses. And, and physical ailments and what they had been through with such incredible accuracy that it would just freak you out. He said, well, God doesn't do. Oh, yes, yes, he, he does for the person who would seek after and long for God to anoint them in that way. I've found, I've found myself and so many other Christians lazy in pursuing the gifts of the Spirit would, would you give me the liberty not to have to go through this whole message if, if I don't want to, if I feel led? Would that be all right? Yeah. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, why don't you turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In 1 Corinthians 12, you go all the way to the end of 1 Corinthians 12. not like the King James, if you've been around, I've, t- I've tapped on this before. The King James does a better job to me. the uh, NIV says, uh, I think it's is it verse 31 or it's towards the end. Of 1 Corinthians 12 it says, earnestly seek the greater gifts. When the King James says, Thank you, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Okay. But I like the way the King James does it. it, captures the original language more, and I don't know if we can put that on the screen. If you we were able to go to King James there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 31. And, and that reads this way: earnestly covet or covet the best gifts. Do you got the King James there, John? you telling me you carry something other than the King James? Is this not a King James? No, but it does. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It's right there. Verse 31. You're awesome. What are you talking about, John? If you can read that small. That's not funny. Okay. Where is it? But I got it. But earnestly covet, thanks, bro. The greater gift, it's not too small, I got it. But earnestly covet the greater gifts. Coveting. You see, if God flowed, God is not a respecter of persons. So if He flowed through a brand, can He flow through you? If he, if, he, if he flowed through certain person raising the dead, could God, could God do that through you? If God did miracles through one man, can He do it through another? Come on, if he prophesied through somebody and, 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 and prophesied so accurately, can that gift come to you like that? The answer is yes. But so oftentimes we have rested on the sovereignty of God instead of taking our God-given, blood-bought right as a passport to boldly come before the throne of God's grace and say, Lord, give me the wisdom of Solomon. Lord, give me an anointing that changes lives. Lord, that brings your kingdom. But many times we ask, but we don't ask rightly. We ask amiss. Because you, you want that gift so that you can look good. God is not concerned about you looking good. He's concerned about his kingdom. And I certainly don't understand it all, but William Brandon got really weird when he got outside of his anointing. The Solomon anointing is a powerful, wonderful anointing that I believe God wants to release upon my life, that I'm believing God's going to release upon your life, that I believe that God wants to release upon us as a people. What is the Solomon anointing? And and as we look at that, you you have to be careful. As with every God-given unction or ability or empowerment or anointings, we're all speaking the same language. There's always traps. So watch out for the traps. Solomon stepped in it really bad. What is the anointing of Solomon? It's wisdom, wisdom and knowledge. The ability to judge. Wow, the ability to judge. And it's fascinating that he asked for that and as a result of that, he gets everything that everybody wants. You know, wisdom is a principal thing. If you look in uh, verse 16 of 1 Kings 3, listen to this. Now two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. One of them said, Pardon me, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I had a baby while she was there with me. The third day after my child was born, the woman also had a baby. We were alone. And there was no one in the house but the two of us. During the night, this woman's son died because she laid on him. What a tragedy. So she got up in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your servant was asleep. She put him by her breast and put her dead son by my breast. Verse 21, the next morning I got up to nurse my son and he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, I saw that he wasn't my son that I had born. Verse 22, the other woman said, no, the living one is my son, the dead one is yours. Boy, grief, I'll just tell you what, grief will twist you inside out if you don't learn to deal with it rightly. And it became, This is totally demonic, really. Verse 23, the king said, this one says, my son is alive and your son is dead. While that one says, no, your son is dead and mine is alive. Verse 24, the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword for the king and he gave the order to cut the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. The woman whose son was alive was deeply moved out of love for her son and said to him, please, my lord, Give her the living baby. Wow. And he went on to say, actually, that's clearly your son. Discerning because no mother would let a child, no mother in her right mind. And it says in verse 28, when Israel heard the verdict that the king had given, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had wisdom from God to administer justice, the anointing of Solomon is, a, is wisdom and knowledge, the, the ability to judge. It wasn't just that, it was the ability to observe and take note. You know, I was thinking about, I mean, there's a lot of great men and women of God in, in the earth, and there's a lot of great scientists, both male and, and female. But it seems to me that we're getting more and more stupid. No, we have we have the ability now to gather incredible amounts of information. Like, is it um, is it uh, what's that Greek uh, mathematician Archimedes? Archimedes, Did I got that right. Archimedes is that it? Archimedes, right? Yeah. In the Greek Greeks had a thing called Greek fire for about a thousand years. They would it was it was a modern day flamethrower. Nobody could figure it out, and they were able to hold the enemy at bay for, for the longest time. This guy Archimedes now he was smart. You know what he, you know what he did? He took he took mirrors and a magnifying glass, and he shined it from the shore upon um, on boats and set them on fire. Where's the Archimedes guys? Where are those guys? When they came and finally took the land there, they were given orders not to kill him, but a a soldier mistakenly didn't know who he was and killed him. You know, I've had people say to me, no, I'm not going to the doctor, I'm walking in faith. I'm just gonna believe God, he's gonna heal me. I mean, that's commendable, but it's also stupid. Because there's, there's, there's modern medicine that God has given. Now, there's a whole racket around medicine, and, and, and I'm not much of a conspiracy guy, uh, but, but there sure seems to be conspiracy around, around immunizations, around... I mean, how many immunizations do they give a child now? I mean, when, when, when I was born in 1966, I think we had... What did we have, Mom? Five? Three? Something like that. Now, now it's like 27 or something. 46, sorry. 46. And, and there's such a mixture and, and there's such a, a, a movement of money. Are you against all that stuff? Wow, we've seen so many immunization injured people. you got to start asking the question. But I'm not a doctor and I'm so glad for modern medicine and the ability. to. Do you know if, that if we didn't go to doctors and didn't have modern medicine, thank God for people to be able to set a bone. Because if they didn't have people to be able to set a bone, I would personally be handicapped. I snapped my left arm on a bicycle when I was about... 13. And I was so glad for Dr. Stuart Pollisner that put my arm back together and gave me a polyurethane cast in 1978, which was cutting-edge technology polyurethane. You could go swimming with it. In fact, I learned to surf with that. Wow. Solomon had the ability to, to take note. He had the ability to, to observe. And Solomon had the, the ability to accumulate knowledge and, and apply it. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom is not just knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge applied. So you can have all... How many of you... Don't raise your hand. But you know some people that are really got a lot of information, but they're dumb as a box of rocks. I mean, you can have more degrees than a thermometer and be stupid. And Solomon had the ability, I mean, 3,000 Proverbs, 1,005. I love how it says 1,005. It's not just, you're just like, you know, 1,000 songs. No, it's not 1,000 songs. It's 1,005 songs. Yeah. He had the ability to administrate the second aspect of this anointing, the ability to administrate. In 1 Kings 10, the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon. This is verse 1 of 1 Kings 10 and his relationship with the Lord. She heard about his relationship with the Lord. Wouldn't that be said about us? Wouldn't that be amazing? I just want to go and meet them because I heard about their relationship with the Lord. How about that being famed about you? That you're so close with God that somebody wants to come and talk to you because you have this relationship with the Lord. So that's why she comes and she arrives at Jerusalem in this great caravan in verse two. Camel's carrying spices, large quantities of gold, precious stones. She came to Solomon and it says that Uh, Solomon answered all of her questions and wisdom and so on and so forth. Saw his cupbearers. Verse five, food on the table, sitting in the officials, attending servants in their robes as cupbearers to burn offerings he made at the temple of the Lord. She was overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed at his ability to administrate all the aspects of everything that was going on because he had an ability, had an, an administrative gift from God. Oh, Lord. I'd like that. That'd be awesome. Come on, some of you need to administer your house better. Lord, help us. Give us a Solomon anointing without the stupid part. We're going to get to that. The Solomon anointing was to administrate that second part, to accumulate wealth. 1 Kings 10, 14, The weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents. Wow, it's an interesting number. Not including the revenues from the merchants. You know what that is? It's 25 tons of gold yearly. 25 tons of gold. Now, I don't know how much gold is selling for an ounce today, and you can do the math, but that's just a portion of his revenue stream. It'd make Bill Gates look like a joke. Maybe. 25 tons of gold. To walk in this anointing, to walk in this authority, to walk in this empowerment, you got to overcome the temptation that's associated with it. So, what is that? It would be pride. You see, if if God hooks you up with all kinds of wisdom and all kinds of ability and and all kinds of administrative gifts, and He begins to give you endless amounts of wealth, some of you are just asking for wealth. You're not asking. If you don't have a structure to handle it, you don't want. You don't want to be wealthy. People have killed themselves, pierced themselves through. James talks about that. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Solomon gets all the money. But he didn't ask for it. Then he had the ability to manage it. But, of course, he failed in the end. We don't want to fail in the end. We don't want to, we don't want to become false teachers. Somebody say amen. amen. You don't want to be so filled with pride and, and, and reject your, your calling. You don't, you don't want to be tossed to the side. You don't want to be a shipwreck like Hymenaeus and Alexander, as Paul says. You don't want to be shipwrecked. So I'm never going to be shipwrecked. You probably already are if you're talking so foolish like that. Any one of us is subject to being creamed. And if you think you're impervious to the assignment of the enemy, then you're in some serious deep kimchi right now. Kimchi is a food from Korea that might actually be anointed. <laughs> no, pride's the greatest danger. Pride's the greatest danger. I mean, you ever a kid I, and uh, thought about this? You know, I know something you don't. I know something you don't. I know that. Yeah, that's pride na 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 foo foo I never knew where the foo-foo was, but. na 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 that's like, almost sounds like tongues. Who's the first cartoon character that prayed in tongues? You know who it was? Fred Friendstone, yabba-dabba-doo. A... <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. So if you're like really uptight now, um, you need deliverance. You religious thing, you. Pride really is the greatest danger. I've heard great scholars, and I don't, I don't consider myself a great scholar, but I'm, I, I study, and, and, and God, I love studying. I love learning. I have a unique way of learning. I've heard, I've heard great scholars and people with all kinds of degrees, and they say, most of them say the same thing. The more they learn, the more they realize, the more they know about very little the more you learn, the more you realize there's so much that you don't have a clue about. You know, pride can get you in trouble. Wealth can hinder us, <laughs> hinder us from being obedient to the Word. I, I used to play um, a squash. Does anybody know what squash is? It's like racquetball with a longer racket. And um, I played squash a little bit in high school. We had this great squash team and it wasn't my sport. I played other sports, but I, ha- I had some friends that were great squash players. And uh, Theodore Neeland was, was a director of the English department and he was uh, my English teacher. And uh, I heard that he played tremendous squash and he was some kind of, you know, national champion back in his day, you know. And he seemed like he was like 100, but he was probably about 40 back then. Uh, and he was a big man. So like big, um, you know, he was 400 pounds. So anybody ever been in the squash court or a racquetball court? Same, pretty much the same, a little bit different, pretty much the same size. When Theodore Nealon, I got in to play Theodore Nealon, you know, squash. It's impossible. Because there's no way you can get around him. So he just, he just stand there and kind of shift. He took up half the court from his sheer size. I mean, God bless him. His backside was so big. There was no way. I mean, he would be like, run around him to get to the shot. And so I would constantly call, it was this great gift, it's a hindrance. It's a call. When the guy's in your way and you can't get to the ball because the guy's in your way, you can call hindrance. Hindrance! And he would be like, what, I was out of the way? I'm like, what? You take up half the court. I lost. But he cheated to me. And then running around him, he's all, "Boo!" You know, you fly and hit the wall and, Want to see that again? I'm not going to do it. Okay. (laughs) Turn to Deuteronomy 17. (laughs) Deuteronomy 17. Wealth can mess you up. Wealth can hinder you. It can get in the way of the objective of what God's trying to do in your life. I just want to help like diffuse this lie that you just need more money. That, that's a lie. You need more of God. You need more wisdom. You need more of the anointing. You need more of the kingdom. Money follows ministry. Money, money follows vision. Don't ever look for money to come and then you do the vision. That's not how it works. That's never how we've done anything. Deuteronomy 17, verse 16. The king, moreover, must not acquire, acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, this is a command that, that is given in Moses' hour. You're not to go back the way again, verse 17. He must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Well, that's exactly what he did. You know, the, you, you can take on the trappings of wealth. Listen, until you learn to tithe, then you have a demon on your money. Oh, I've kind of felt the Holy Ghost, felt the, felt the Spirit for a second. Here, let me, let me irritate the snot out of you if you're not a tither. Money, when you don't tithe, has what is called the spirit of mammon on it. The spirit of mammon is not money, but it can include money and wealth and so on and so forth. When you return the 10% to God, your money comes under the hand of God. If you don't tithe, then the devil's sitting on top of your money. You can say whatever you want to say, and you can try to argue it, but it's not been redeemed. Your money is not redeemed unless you tithe on it. I, I, I just might, Pastor Vince. Because, I, I, I mean, it just blows my mind that, that people don't tithe. And try to come up with theological arguments that for how it's, oh, it's in the law, we're in the New Testament. Then you should give them 90% and keep 10 we're under grace. And you go, go the extra mile. Be a double tither. You have to learn that, that, that wealth, de- has demons love to manipulate people with greed. And when you tithe, when you return 10%, you bring that into the church, into the local storehouse, into your local church where you go. If you're visiting, I'm so glad you're here. Please don't tithe here. Tithe at your home church. If you don't have one, we'd love to be that for you. But tithe at your home church. And, and your pastor can thank me later. We get to heaven. Now that we can take on the trappings, the trappings of wealth and you can take your eyes off the Lord and begin to put it on yourself. Begin to think about how great you are, how smart you are and wealth is robbed. And <laughs> look, I'm glad that you can buy a 10 carat diamond ring. But let me just say, as beautiful as that is, if you feel like that makes you more important, you're in, you're in trouble. And one day, somebody's gonna pull the 10-carat diamond ring off your dead finger. May you, may, may you never die, all that. I speak health over you. But I'm just saying, someone else is gonna have all the stuff you're accumulating. And if you think that it's the, the, the diamond ring or the thing that makes you important because you had the money to buy it, whatever, you're confused. And, and if you flaunt it, I, I, I think that you know, God's given us everything for our enjoyment. That's scripture, right? I don't think there's anything wrong with having nice stuff. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a nice car. I don't think there's anything wrong with having nice jewelry. I don't think there's anything wrong with the ten-carat ten drink as long as you've got peace to be able to buy it and all that, and be able to handle things. And so, you know, some people just have tremendous amount of wealth. But if and and that's a wonderful thing. But if you allow it to get, listen, that which you possess, if you can't give it away, you're not possessing it. It possesses you. So that's what you have to be careful of. Be very careful. You can take your eyes off the Lord and and put it on ourselves. And our our biggest temptation, I think, with wealth is that it deceives us into think that we can live independently from God. And that's really what Solomon did. This is the bad part of it. I don't want this part. I'm not getting this part. Amen. That was tongues. Praying in my prayer language over myself. I'm not going to, I'm not doing this other part. In the name of Jesus, 1 Kings 11, turn there. Listen, if God takes his hand off of you, you're gonna drop right on the spot. 1 Kings 11, verse one, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women and disobedient to Deuteronomy, as we were reading, besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, Hittites, all the ites. They were from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them. You teach your, I gotta stop and say, you had best teach your, your sons and daughters, don't marry an unbeliever. Listen, I—we I don't, don't even need a whole bunch of counseling. If somebody's saved, the other person's saved. Do you think we should give? Them? No, no, I don't. you think it's God? No, I don't. No, I don't. After he's born again, filled with the Spirit, loving God more than you, then maybe perhaps it would be the Lord. Prior to that, I'm going to tell you, my kids aren't going to marry unbelievers. Not going to date unbelievers. That ain't happening. So help me God, till death do us part. Amen. I've told you how it's going to work for my daughter. There'll be a knock on the door, I'll open the door. I'll give a message in tongues. The young man will have the same interpretation that I have, and then I'll know. (laughs) Same thing for my son. When my daughter was born, I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding. This is no joke, no exaggeration. When my daughter was born, she had all kinds of health challenges. The enemy tried to kill her, but God intervened and spared her life, and we're so grateful. And while she was in that heater, you know the heater? Okay, so it was a C-section. It was miraculous. We prayed for pain-free delivery. Fast, pain-free. Epidural, 10 minutes. Baby was out. Total miracle. And... (laughs) Do you guys get that? Yes. Okay. Epidural blocks pain. Supernatural, 10 minutes fast. No pain. Thank you, Jesus. So, so there I am over the, uh, over the heater of Hannah. And you know, the, the heat. I'm, I'm over her, right? And she's right here. And I sang, I, I made up a song and I sang it to her and I was, I was praying over her. And it was right during that time that I said, Daddy's gonna pick your husband, sweetheart. Just letting you know. No, I'm not. I'm not even kidding. It sounds funny. It wasn't really. And as she grew up, who's gonna, you know, who's gonna pick your husband? You are, Daddy and Mommy. That's right. And Jesus too. Yeah. And then she grows up a little bit bigger. And I would be like, she's ten. Be like, who's gonna pick your husband, Hannah? She'd be like, you and me. <laughs> you know, she get like eleven and twelve. I'd be like, who's gonna pick your husband? She's like. A little bit slower to respond. But I, <laughs> Some of you say, but that's pretty controlling. Listen, if your kids have got to have the, in a healthy Bible believing spirit filled home, Amen. they've got, they teach your kids, they got to have the blessing. They must have the blessing. Don't do life without the blessing of God. And I'm simply not going to bless a mess. I'm not going to bless something that's all jacked up. Now, I understand that sometimes kids go sideways, and I'm praying that my kids would choose rightly. They can choose whether they're going to serve the Lord or not, or they can choose to go sideways. And if they go sideways then I'm giving the intercession and praying, so that's never going to happen. In Jesus' name, it's never going to happen. But I I know people that have raised their kids right and, and their kids just got, you know, defiled and something happened at school and all of a sudden they're not serving God and they don't care and they get old. Listen, you fast and pray, Mom and Dad. You fast and pray. You contend. You give. You hold the standard. And then if you've raised your kids and the Lord, when they're older, they will not depart from it. There'll be a great homecoming. You call them back. You declare, you preach, you pray, you prophesy, you hold a standard in your home. And you don't let kids marry ungodly people. So far as it depends on you. Listen, this is what I believe from Scripture. Solomon had a thousand wives. And they led him down the primrose path. He got bamboozled. Hoodwinked. They got seduced by demon spirits. You know something else I feel led to say is that um, whenever when you when you choose somebody to marry, you're also marrying their whole family. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Fester and everybody. All right, let's, let's look at this. Walking in the solemn anointing means we must continually see everything that we have as an undeserved gift. Everything you have is an undeserved gift from the, from the Lord. Everything you have, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. Everything's a gift. So if you're really highly intelligent, it's a gift. Don't be stupid. If you have an ability to administrate, ability to, maybe you have athletic ability, praise the Lord. Some people have all of that. Hallelujah. Everything comes from the hand of God. Every blessing's from him. God's speaking to us uh, tonight. We can receive wisdom. Everybody say we can receive wisdom. James says, yep, we can receive wisdom. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. and, And the Lord will give it liberally. It's the only thing I really like, liberal, this liberal. (laughs) I don't like liberal, you know, I like liberal portions of ice cream. James says you can have a, he gives it liberally, gives you a big dose of wisdom. I think liberals need some wisdom. You say, which are you, liberal or conservative? I'm a Christian. I don't know how you might define that. I'm, my, my standards are set by the word of God and they're not, just, they're, they're not able to be deviated from. Adam and Eve, it's not Adam and Steve. Smile at me. We love everybody, but right is right. And, 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 and if you're caught in that kind of a bondage, you can be loosed, you can be free. And we have compassion on you. And I hope you keep coming. We've got all kinds of stories of God's power and deliverance. It's just sin. You can receive wisdom. God, give us wisdom. Say it. Lord, release wisdom. As I was preparing this, I felt like the Lord said, you need to ask me for wisdom and strategy for the church in Alaska for the next 30 years. That's what the Lord spoke to me. I've heard some people say, we're not going to be around for 30 years. You sure? You sure? No, yeah, no, these end days, I say end days since he was crucified and resurrected. We're, we're not, I'm not getting any insurance. I'm not I'm not doing anything because the Lord's coming. Yeah, the Lord's coming. He's coming for sure. Then I, you know, I wonder when it says that no man knows the time. I can't imagine us going another 30 years, but but maybe. And so the Lord's asking me. And the other thing is when your life's over, it's not over, then you enter into the, the ruling and reigning with him, right? You're not going to play a little golden harp and fly around the clouds in a diaper. You're going to be judging angels and nations and stuff. You want to get that image out of your mind? Come on, just go like this. Etch your sketch, your mind right now. Thank you, Lord. God can bless us with great wealth. Listen, some of you are so afraid to give. Don't let fear grip you. Don't do it. Learn to tithe. I gave a challenge about a week ago. If you're not a tither, become a tither. Try him. Test him. It's the only place he says to test him. Can you imagine God says, go ahead and test me. Test him. See if we want to throw open windows of heaven. I, I threw a challenge out. I felt like the Lord told me to give you. Take the next 90 days and tithe. Amen. Go ahead. Do it. May it the first thing you do. Return the 10% to God. Whatever, whatever comes in on your check, look for, look for it before taxes. Why? You want, a, you want a gross blessing or a net blessing? I heard somebody say that, but actually, I, I believe it more this way. Is that I'm going to give to what is God's God, and I'm going to give to Caesar Caesar, but I'm giving to God first. So, so I'm, I'm the cream right off the top, all of it before taxes, right? That, that, that's how we do it. That, that's how we do it so you begin to tithe over the next 90 days I challenge you go ahead oh, God, God wants to bless us with wealth and wealth is not just money it's, there's relational wealth you, know, you can have lots of money and no friends how many of you know, that's broke there's relational wealth there's, there's emotional wealth there's, there's emotional well-being You know what the Lord will give you, no man can. I don't know what it's like when you lie down on your bed at night. We lie down, we go to sleep in our house. There's this whole routine. (sighs) And we basically end up praying and there's pillow talk and talking and we pray. And usually my wife just prays and falls asleep. She always falls asleep before me. It's a gift. It's called the sleep of the just. And there's peace on my house. And there's angels that encamp around my home. And I can feel his presence. And when I can't or something's wrong, I get out. It's time for a prayer meeting. I don't really do anything else. We have peace. There's peace on my son and his his room and my whole house and my daughter all the way in Evangel University peace. I got peace. Don't do anything else but peace. That's wealth. Do you know that? God wants to use us to extend his, his, his kingdom if we keep our focus. You know what Solomon's job was to build the temple. You know, we're, we're building a church building. Uh, that is not, our, that is not the, our goal. In other words, when we, the building's done, then, we, then it's over. No, we're not worshiping buildings. We're not enamored by our building. We just needed to reach more people. We wouldn't be renting the the Menard Sports Center, which, by the way, is rather costly. I wish that we were putting that into our building, but we will not stop reaching out, and this building's way too small. People need a place to sit to be dry to hear the Word of God. Praise God for heat. Amen. I know our plastic chairs aren't all that comfortable. We're going to get some new ones, but we need a bigger building. Solomon's goal in his life was to build the temple, and he he did it, but he failed miserably. Believe for wisdom to be released to you. Believe for wealth to be released to you. Believe for administrating justice and truth. Believe for that, but understand that God's point and goal for your life and mine is to become more like him, to impact the kingdoms of this world, to become the kingdoms of our Lord and God. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet, lift your hands all across this place. Come on, begin to ask God. How many of you need wisdom? Who needs wisdom here? Come on, you begin to ask Him right now. Ask Him for wisdom. Ask Him for wisdom. Ask Him right now. Lord, give us wisdom. Release wisdom. Release wisdom to us. Give us a discerning heart. Release wisdom of how to raise our kids. That was an emphasis of the Holy Spirit in this service. Every one of your children are different. What is wisdom for one might not be the wisdom for the other. you got to be led by the Lord. you got to be filled with the Spirit. You need wisdom. Ask every day. You got teenagers. You need wisdom every day. Every day. And you need a discerning heart. Every day. God, right now, release unto us wisdom from above. Not earthly wisdom that's devilish and impure. Wisdom from the throne. release wisdom from the throne to us for your purpose. In every situation, in every circumstances, over our finances, over our resources, out of our heart, God would cover our heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Lord give us wisdom of how to how to administrate, how to judge, how to govern, how to govern. I have given you a wisdom, says the Lord, that's been evident in your life. It's like, and I don't know this in the natural about you, but it's when you were even younger, you just had an ability to be able to stand and, and be a peacemaker, an ability to be able to take two parties, put them together and work in agreement. You could really have been a lawyer, could have been anything, but God's, God's called you in a unique way. He has. And you know it. And the Lord has put his hand upon you and in your running you will see the miracle hand of God. You'll see the miracle wisdom from the throne released to you, to your husband. You're really uh, of course one flesh but there's an operating as your husband has been willing to take what would be a, a back seat by some people's estimation. The Lord honors you through that. No. and there's a great strength that's in you as a couple as as a hand on a sword I I see God releasing provision, I see God releasing fresh oxygen, I know that's an unusual word but you're going to find a fresh strength and a favor and a, a joy people are going to be drawn to you there's certain things that he's leading you, guiding you, it's you're removing one peg and putting it in another place. There's a wisdom that I'm giving you, says the Lord, of what to put when. What when to speak, when not to speak. Deeply respected in this community, in this house, of course, but in this state. And I am working behind the scenes. I've heard your prayer. I've led you, I've guided you. There's coming relational wisdom to you. Be very careful at this time who you yoke with. Be very sensitive to the leading and the guiding and the directing of the Spirit of God because that which you yoke with will have an effect on you even spiritually and you are discerning about that. In fact, you've been making some decisions about just a little bit of distance a little bit of cushion, a little guiding. Yeah, that's all the Lord. Just keep doing, just keep doing that. Somebody doesn't show themselves fully faithful, then and then you don't install them as someone who's faithful. Obviously, but there was a, there's a warning I see there to be very sensitive and careful about that. Don't ever be unequally yoked. You'll have a voice even in the midst of the assembly of unbelievers and the wicked. I'm raising you up. Fire. Wisdom. Anointing. And all your health problems. All your health problems taken care of. Run like Elijah. Come on, just pray for a moment. Service is almost over. Come on, it's quarter to nine and there's nothing on TV, that's for sure. Come on, just press in for a moment longer. Lord, release unto us wealth. Release unto us wisdom. Release unto us what we need, when we need it. Oh God, for your purpose, for your kingdom purposes. Lord, the plan, the redemptive plan for the state of Alaska, I call it forth. I call forth the redemptive plan for this crown jewel of the North, the Northland. The land of the midnight sun. I call forth the redemptive plan for this state and our role in it. I thank you that you are assembling mighty ones here. A gateway, Lord, even for our nation. Lord, release resources and let them not be squandered by greedy people. Release the wealth of the wicked, stored up for the righteous. Bring a mighty revival here. Bring a great awakening here. Bring an awakening God of this land and help us to do our part and our role in it. Come on, if you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit. Come on, pray.
1: In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name.
0: In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we take authority tonight over darkness, over demon power that would try to interfere in the purposes of God's kingdom. We take authority over demon power that be tied up all around wealth, Lord, and perversion in Jesus' name. Lord, you have struck a blow by your death, your resurrection, and by your blood. We declare it tonight. The captives being set free. We declare tonight every bit of provision that we need to build our building and far beyond. God, you're bringing it in. We call it in tonight. We call in the wisdom, the administrative wisdom to bring justice in the earth for your sons and your daughters. I pray a rolling back of reproach upon the body of Christ. For there has been in in last seasons a reproach that's been upon the church where even, even those that have been educated and those that were designed with, with wisdom and gifted with wisdom and knowledge look down their nose upon the church as some weak, anemic thing. But the Lord is rolling away the reproach and He's raising up mighty ones in the land. He's raising up mighty intercessors. He's raising up prophets and those with an evangelistic anointing. He's raising up those with apostolic unction power, authority, and administrative giftings and wisdom. He's raising them up in this hour to show the glory of God through the church, the church of the living God. This is an hour of miracles, an hour of breakthrough, an hour of destiny. Rise up, oh men and women of God. Rise up and contend. Take hold of the horns of the altar. Take hold of the garment of Jesus and ask for fresh anointing and power and then release it in the earth. Lord, do that. Do it raise up leaders God raise up leaders Lord raise them up God we pray in this hour of history With well, thank you Ooh.
1: Ooh. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes, Yes, Lord. To your will, your way. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. 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 Yes, Lord. We say yes. Let a yes be in your spirit. Sing it. Sing it. Say yes. Yes.
0: Many of you have been given a sword and it's been in its scabbard for far too long. You need to pull out the sword of the Word of the Lord once again and begin to wield that with, with boldness and courage. There's been certain things that have taken place even in your life that were not my will, was not my plan. Yes, I'm turning it for good, but wouldn't it have been wonderful if you took the heads off of the opposition in the Spirit before it actually got into agreement with it? The Lord wants you to rise up in this hour and begin to unsheathe the sword and to stand and having done all else stand, continuing to stand and see the deliverance of God. There is a great release of His power in this hour to do what He called us to do. Ask Him to help you. Use the gifts of the Spirit. Use the wisdom of God. Turn the battle at the gate. In your marketplace, in Fred Myers, in your job, at your home, turn the battle at the gate. Do what is right. If people don't like it, it's not really a popularity contest. Do the right thing. If it causes conflict, then have it. Be willing to have conflict over righteousness. Don't be intimidated by a fight. Don't ever be intimidated by somebody who just wants to stand and, and and spit venom and do the wrong thing. You stand for righteousness and God will fix that thing. Don't you worry about it. Come on, be on the side. Whose, whose report will you believe? Whose side are you on, Moses said. And then they came on Moses' side and those are then the Levites. Come on, are there any Levites out there? Are there any on the side of the Lord? Come on, for a moment longer. Moment longer, church is over. Come on, just say yes. Yes.
1: Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, 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 Lord. Sing it again with all your heart. Yes, to the plan of God. Yes, to your will,
0: your way. Yes, Lord. Break through the demonic sorcery. I command that apathetic spirit to be broken off of this house and off of this body I command the assignments of darkness that would try to come to steal and kill and destroy compromise, mixture the mixture that, that people try to bring Lord break it off break it off I see even as I'm praying I'm trying to close the service, but certain things happen in the Spirit. They ain't coming again. I see, even as I was praying, I saw Nehemiah returning to Jerusalem after he gave the principles for reformation, what they needed to do, restoration of the singers and worshipers and the tithes and so on and so forth. And when Nehemiah came back, I think it's nine years later, I, I have this vision of Nehemiah returning and seeing this that guy up in the upper room with the tithes restored. Is is sand Sanballat or one of those other that one of those guys you know he's a place he's an unbeliever the guy that caused persecution for Israel is in the place where the tithes should be listen God does things right and in order he's a God of order thank God for the holy chaos of freedom that comes in the spirit but there's an order you have to have in, in your house in your home in your marriage in your family there's an order that you have to have in the body, in the church. There's an order. God's a God of order. And He is ordering things. And I see just, I see pieces being removed and things being added. And as Nehemiah came back, he was so grieved. He took all the furniture in that room and threw it out in the middle of the street. He kicked that guy, kicked his, can you imagine? All of his, all of his, all of his family furniture, he kicked out in the middle of the, threw it in the middle of the street, cleansed everything. I could just see him throwing stuff out the window. What the hell? you thinking nehemiah Woo! go through your house go through your house go through your life examine let the holy spirit lead you if you've got a mixture of stuff get it get rid of it i'm gonna do that we'll just take a fresh look at everything we got going on come on some of you got dvds you should get rid of things that things that you shouldn't be in your home let's have revival shall we I'm almost done. Come on, lift your hands. Let's close the service. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. 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 Yes, Lord. Sing it again to the Lord your God. any place that's out of
0: accord. Yes. yes. That we might be your servants, yoke fellows. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God in this place, don't leave this place in that condition. Get right with Him for the first time or in recommitment all across. See, that's me, Pastor. If that's you, would you lift your hand You say you want to be included? Come on, God didn't move, you didn't. Come back home. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. All the way in the back. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. Pray with me right out loud. Repeat after me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Holy Spirit, I pray, fill and touch and bless each and every one. We say yes. Give us wisdom. Give us an anointing, God. See souls saved. See wisdom, administrated, justice. Release wealth to us and teach us how to handle it. And God, I pray with this great company of believers that you would give us thousands of souls this weekend. Give us thousands of souls, Lord. Pack the place out, but not not too much that we can't handle it. Just to write them out. Saturday, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Menard Sports Center. We will not be here, but we will be back Sunday night. I hope you got something from the Lord. Let me bless you, Lord. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you this weekend.